from TMP to TTNG For sure the cure and those tired meme jeans Hella Kinsella and the promise ring Sunny day real estate and rights this spring Prince Twinkle Daddy's help keep the dream alive I constantly thank God for Algernon and Remo Christie front drive. Mineral snowing high tide hotel here and more. Rio Limo only consists of the DC emotive hardcore. Welcome to episode 37 of The E-Word. This is Kyle, recording here in Madison, Wisconsin. As always, I'm joined by my co-host and my friend Ellie. You're in Austin, Texas. Uh, and it, it makes me feel so happy every time you call me your friend. <laughs> my internet friend, Ellie. He, he will never do it outside of the podcast. <laughs> uh, so this is our 2015 episode. We're going to be talking about the two records that basically won, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, after we introduce our guests. We have two of them. One of them is Corey Purvis, who is an artist and uh, runs Near Mint Records. Corey, what's up? Hello, hello. And you're in Fort Wayne, Indiana? Yeah, Fort Wayne, Indiana. How's that? Uh, it's alright, but not, not the best city for a music industry, or really the arts, but... It is affordable. I went to a power violence festival in Fort Wayne. I, yeah, I, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Mid, Midwest power violence pops off. The Midwest, Midwest and hardcore. I feel like it says it. There's always been a hardcore scene, like in, like even the smaller cities that I've, I guess, hung around growing up. But yeah, mid the Midwest is weird. But yeah. Fort Midwest Wayne. Not- Fort Wayne for a bigger city, it's like, I, in my opinion, there's like three main big cities in Indiana, and for the music in, or the music scene here compared to the others, it's really weak. Like most of the bands skip Fort Wayne, so it kind of sucks. Uh, we also have one other guest, and that would be Isaac, who plays in the band Barely Civil. Yeah, that that's me. What's up? You're in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Beautiful Oshkosh, Wisconsin. <laughs> How's that? I mean, you know, it's fine. <laughs> All right. Um, so this is our 2015 episode. So two, basically two albums, one. One was The World is a Beautiful Place, Harmlessness, but we didn't want to do another episode with, or we didn't want to deep dive another record from the band that we had on two episodes ago. Uh, in case you missed it, there's an episode with Chris Teddy. That's a deep dive of Whenever If Ever. And then we tried to go over 
uh, we tried to go after the second album, and that was and that was Turnover with Peripheral Vision, and ultimately they passed um, the opportunity to come on the podcast because, as you all know, probably that new album just got announced, and they're on an album cycle. And then uh, kind of chased after Jeff, who runs Run for Cover, couldn't connect. And then by the time I had the idea to try and contact Will Yip, it had been like a month. We're going to do 2015 with two cool guests all together right now. Um, Isaac, I know like Harmlessness is one of your favorite records of all time or something, right? Yes, absolutely. I love it. Sick. And Corey, uh, 2015 was a big year for you and your mint. So I figured it would be cool to get your perspective on things. Yeah, for sure. And Harmlessness is definitely important to me too because I work closely with The World Is right around that time and Broken World Media. Mm -hmm. So that was, uh, yeah, very fitting. Uh, Before we go back in the time machine and go back to 2015, which is hardly even nostalgic at this point, I feel like, um, wanted to do some plugs at the top. Uh, Corey, I know Near Mint's been kind of active uh more so than like the past couple years right now so if you want to talk about that and what you're up to and what you're working on and stuff okay yeah so for near mint i have two artists i'm focusing on right now one is subliminal sex which is their debut album self-titled which comes out in november which you can check out the first single which just came out last week and then Another artist, I'm not sure exactly when this stuff is going to come out, but Sirius Black, he's a, a rapper that I've been working with and managing. Uh, we just recorded a new album for him, which is crazy that we're kind of chopping around a little bit as a label, like with other labels to try to do something bigger. So that's what's going on kind of with Nair May right now. Cool. And you put out the Taking Meds record, right? Yeah, yeah, the Taking Meds, I Hate Me, um, came out July 12th, and yeah, that's another, yeah, that's a main release this year, and yeah. then also Flat Sound, Old Soil Cassettes, I just put that out um, like a month ago, check that out. Cool. Uh, Isaac, what's up with Barely Civil? You got some hot shows coming up? Yeah, we got some hot shows coming up. We just announced a uh, run down to Fest, so that's exciting. We're... Uh, playing that with a lot of artists that we really like and i don't know really stoked for that we uh are working on demoing lp2 i don't know if i'm supposed to talk about that yet um and then we have some other future plans that are kind of getting sorted out now sweet and you're playing aren't you playing with Kara Kara soon uh yeah that's uh beginning of october we're playing a show with them in milwaukee Really excited about it. The uh, Facebook event just went up last night. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. I really like that band, and so does everyone else in my band. So hopefully I that's like a good band. show. It's a good band. They're such a good band. Uh, Ellie, do you want to plug your blog or anything? Uh, yeah, sure. I've been uh, I've been doing a running series on my blog, uh, you don't need maps.wordpress.com. Uh, I'm doing a series called Bands You Weren't Supposed to Like, where I look at, like, quote-unquote fake emo bands from the early mid-2000s, like Fall Out Boy and Paramore and Under Oath and The Used, and just kind of, like, uh, looking at them with the a lens of, like, honest critical engagement that they did not get at the time because they were, you know, dismissed as, like, fluffy kid shit and just kind of 
giving it the, the chance that they, they always deserved. <laughs> this has been like really getting out there too. Like, uh, Census Fail read your piece about Census Fail. Um, and Ian Cohen like retweeted it, and that got me like a whole bunch more followers. I've grown like a hundred something more like individual followers since I started the series. It's kind of crazy. Shit. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm stoked on it. Uh, Under Oath piece should be coming out next Tuesday. Stay tuned. All right. So 2015, as we've been kicking these off. We start off with, where were you in 2015? What were you doing? What were you listening to? Um, personally, for me, this was me, like, really up to the brim listening to emo. And uh, I think, like, this is the year I was, like, really fucking, like, way too into vinyl collecting. Like, this is, like, the start of it for, for me. Like, I was on Vinyl Collective, like, buying the rarest variant of all these records on this list basically and like getting real fucking cringe about it and stuff um just some like memorable shows were happening too like i remember seeing i think i think it was a co-headline with the world is and pianos become the teeth and like turnover were like the first of four and it was like two weeks after peripheral vision came out and like people were there to see turnover and like didn't give a fuck about the other bands and stuff um wow yeah yeah because i remember that was the tour where like the world is were touring where you could like pre-order harmlessness at their merch table before it was even out and stuff like that and then you got like a secret cassette tape that only people at pre-order at, at a show got and stuff so yeah i was listening to all this shit when it was coming out and just like watching tuesdays with tay at like every week um yeah, it was kind of a cool time. It was, it was, it was a pretty exciting time. Yeah, big time. Um, I think at this time I was living in Chicago, um, and so I was seeing a lot of like these tours as they were coming through, and also I, this was like, this is when I feel like the, the hardcore scene kind of like bounced back from where it was in 2014, um, and you had like. Huge releases from Harm's Way and Turnstile. Uh, you had, like, Ceremony going in their, like, Interpol direction. Um, this is also, like, a pretty big year for hip-hop because this is uh, uh, Pimp a Butterfly and I Don't Like Shit, I Don't Go Outside. Those were, like, some pretty huge releases for me that year. Um, so, yeah, pretty much just, like, a just pretty fun, eclectic year for me personally. So, yeah, uh, for me, in 2015, well, actually, let me back up a little bit. So, like, earlier in my life, like in high school, I was doing design for basically, like, the MySpace era, not to get too off topic. So, like, I kind of broke off from that because it died and then went through school. And then after graduating, going in 2014, I kind of was just getting into this newer scene, like, whatever you'd call this stuff, the revival or whatever. So I feel like right around 2015 was like <clears throat> a year of me like really starting to get comfortable working in the scene, but also uh, just being like familiar with the band. And to touch on the world is like everyone else. Um, I was super into their music around then, like everyone else, and was doing a lot of merch designs for them. And then working really closely with 
Broken World, and basically, oh, like almost all of their bands I would work with uh, some merch. So I feel like I was really heavily or closely involved with the whole world is like around the harmlessness release and then uh i remember um broken world fest it, it came out or harmlessness i can't remember the exact release date but it came out around that fest which i went to which i felt like was just i don't know a, an important moment for emo or whatever you want to call it was that was that broken world fest one no that that would have been it was in twenty. Oh, or wait, twenty sixteen. Wait, did harmlessness come out in twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen? Twenty fifteen. Well, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So this was right after. Yeah, it would have been after it came out. Uh, my bad. So yeah, it was early twenty sixteen. Did it come out at the end of twenty fifteen? Yeah, in uh, September. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I I remember I booked them around on their tour when they were doing those pre-orders you were talking about. It's just all kind of a blur, so I'm trying to remember. But I remember Harmlessness still being fresh around Broken World Fest, but yeah, that was 2016, so I got a little bit ahead there. But yeah, definitely super involved with The World Is and Broken World in 2015, though. I was a junior in high school, a senior in high school around there. Um, Basically, I was scouring the Bandcamp post-rock tag and listening to everything that was free on there um and i was also playing in a green day cover band called barely civil um that's so sick (laughs) (laughs) yeah um what's your favorite green day album i don't like any of them oh well i listen i listened to too much post-rock and then i hated green day other than that, I was just at school and not doing anything. Wait, was are you just joking about Barely Civil being like a pop punk band? No, not at all. Not in any way. Um, we were a Green Day cover band, oh and then I listened to Explosions in the Sky, and I was like, I want to do that instead. Eventually, we kind of started working some of that in there. Um, but still playing Green Day covers, and then eventually not playing Green Day covers. <laughs> hey, Kyle, you know what I just remembered? What's that? The tail end of 2015 is when I started doing the emo history lessons, like October of that year, oh. which is what which is what got me to become a, a mod of our emo. So without that, I highly doubt that we would be doing this podcast right now. There you go. Thank you, 2015. Yeah. Also, I, I guess I did forget. I was kind of talking from the perspective of being an artist. I didn't even talk about Near Mint. Uh, yeah. So Near, Near Mint, 2015 was the first year that we signed an artist and really focused, I guess, like, focused on being a quote-unquote real label. And we signed The Obsessives, and uh, Heck No Nancy came out on vinyl around, it was September 2015. And then Marietta right after that, actually, which we can talk about more. But, yeah, so Near Mint in 2015, that was kind of kind of probably our most important year, or second most important, I don't know, probably most important. Was that the year that you were doing the knuckle puck tape, too? Yeah, that, that was early 2015. That was our fourth release, so yeah. that was, like, 
February or something of 2015. That actually reminds me, 2015 was the year that I uh, that I like first got into contact with James Cassar. He said that if I don't mention him at least five times in the podcast, he's going to drop us. So uh, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> and I think I also at some point in 2015 like emailed Corey and asked him to do a merch design for us and never followed through on that. Because you were a Green Day cover yeah, that, band. That happened. Yeah, exactly. Window shoppers is what I call you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it worked out. it's true I guess for some more context I feel like I could fill in some blanks here Uh, James Cassar was a co-founder of Near Mint Records is that that the proper terminology here yeah yeah definitely yeah we we started together yeah and and uh, he he and I both were equally involved in the label up until um what was it like the end of 2017 and he's still um like partially partially involved in the label um without getting like too deep into it but um it's really just me though who runs it now Mm -hmm. and then another blank that could be filled in you've done the cover art for barely civils full length which is under james his management yep yeah yeah and my best friend Matt recorded their album. Yeah, so, and oh, yeah. Chris from Subliminal Sex assisted with the engineering on that. Yeah, the band that I'm releasing right now on Near yeah. Small World. It all ties up super nice. Well, and then there's one more thing. The Barely Civil Record is out on a label that James manages. Yep. All right. Oh, and Corey did the logo for. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> And to be fair, I kind of pitched them, uh, pitched you to the label when because I, I was working with them a lot on this time. So there's that. Someone can make an infographic of that. That'd be great. Drop it in the comments. <laughs> All right. So some kind of observations about 2015 as a whole, as a scene. Corey, you can go over some of these notes here, uh, the ones that you added to the doc. Okay. So we'll. They're more just notes of what I was like listening to and kind of things that I think were overlooked mm-hmm. after looking at your list. Um, first and foremost, still overlooked, is Runway Brother. Their album, it, it looks like it's pronounced Mother, but it's actually Mother, I think. Something weird. Anyway. It's Mother. Or Mother. Okay. Well, yeah, there you go. It's that. And the album is great. It came out early 2015. I honestly, like, I thought it was going to, I thought they were going to blow up. Like, I thought, I don't know. Like, I, I really compared them to, like, modern baseball or something like that at the time. Like, sonically, I expected them to get a lot bigger. But they're still kind of, I don't know, they have their own following for sure. But they're underrated. It's sad. Yeah, they were on it, this list. It just didn't get shit for votes, which is unfortunate because they're kind of like the sidekicks where, like, everyone that's in bands love them, but, like, I don't think the yeah, kids... Yeah, like a band's band, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, just Tiny Engines in general around, you know, 2014, 2015 was super important. Um, another release I liked a lot from 2015 that I think was overlooked probably... Or definitely 
definitely was probably overlooked by most people was the kind of like spinning Warren Franklin split on top shelf records. Uh, kind of like kind of like spitting is one of my or if not my favorite band. They're fucking amazing, and it was really cool to see them come back. Like after, I guess they broke up or took a hiatus, and then came back and did this split. And so pretty long. It's like two EPs basically, basically by each band. And that was cool. And then they broke up again, which I assume is forever. But that was an awesome release. And then, uh, yeah, a lot of Broken World. Dude, Broken World was super popping in 2015. I did. I don't know. Like, it's kind of a blur of all the bands because they released so much stuff. But mm-hmm. um, I, I was doing a lot of work with them. And uh, also on my notes here, Marietta, as it were. Um, that was a pretty significant album. And then, uh, as I kind of mentioned before, The Obsessives, Heck No Nancy, which I guess I, I'm kind of biased, but I feel like that, that kind of was an important album for 2015, like, and I, and moving forward, like, for the scene, I guess, or whatever, again, you want to call it, I don't know what to name everything, but, As yeah. a high schooler from 2015, that that record was absolutely important, like, at least in like my group of people, it was it was a hugely important record. Yeah, I I think I've seen like Rylan from Origami Angel say shit like, uh, "This is like the album that made him want to make music and stuff." That's actually really cool to hear. Like I, I I know it's there's definitely a handful of people that have been inspired by it, but I feel like I don't see or hear about it as much because I feel like there is a a pretty big like age gap between the people who I feel like it was probably mo- most inspiring to just because of the age the obsessives were and how, not that I'm like some old man or anything but I'm 28 now and when I put it out I would have been like 24 but and the obsessives they were still in high school though so I was still like you know a little bit older than their ex- mm-hmm. like specific demographic but yeah I also want to say uh, like sorry. um like I'm also 28 and like watching you and James just or mostly just James just being like transparent about everything online and like them and just like you two being like this is our favorite band like we're we're like doing this all ourselves was just like incredibly expi- like inspiring and like just like me wanting to support two people like doing this all by themselves was just like the reason why I pre-ordered it like it could have fucking sucked it obviously didn't but it was just like everything was oh, just you, like on the board there you pre-ordered it that's awesome yeah without yeah without knowing yeah i felt like a, a lot of people kind of they were kind of taking a chance on this too because they saw that we were at least trying and and it ended up again and like i feel like the album i mean it to like to date it's actually one of our um best records for sure mm-hmm. as far as success goes or whatever <laughs> so anything else from your list then um uh Oso Oso. Uh I dude I've I've been a I don't know, I wouldn't say an Oso Oso fan since the beginning just because or since before that because state lines. I, I love that was one of the first like emo revival bands I really got into. Like it just I don't know, something about the the his songwriting and it just reminded me of Third Eye Blind and his I don't know, Jay's vocals <laughs> are so good. So I was like super into state lines and then Oso Oso, which was originally the Oso 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 three mm-hmm. times. 
Um, I was just super into that. And then when they put out their debut on their Oso Oso, um, I, I did a t-shirt for that, whatever, pre-order for the record. And that was the first Oso Oso t-shirt design, I guess. And then in general, that album, though, just like aside from working with them, was definitely one of my favorite records of 2015 and worth talking about. And it's, I will say, I felt like forever Oso was like, like consistently putting out what I considered like hit, I don't know, hit catchy records. And they're pretty slept on up until the last, like, I want to say like year or two. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to finally see like them finally getting their, I don't know, due respect because. They were going at it for a while with like no return. It felt like <laughs> for how good they are, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. They, they've been killing it lately. Um, some of my 2015 mm-hmm. observations was like this was a breakout year overall for like emo and like getting into the industry and stuff. Um, uh, but like more than anything, this seemed like the year that anything on an emo mm-hmm. label was becoming labeled as emo like no matter what you put out on run for cover you were an emo band whatever you're putting out on top shelf you were gonna get called an emo band and stuff like that and like people didn't really seem to like care or like get it but in retrospect like i don't know like we'll totally get into this but like turnover that's like a that's i don't know turnover is dream pop right yeah yeah uh they were definitely like pop punk prior to this right like songs like stuff like magnolia you know but um uh this was definitely the record where uh and i think title fight also played a huge role in this but just kind of that lean into the the dreamy sunny guitar parts um and i believe that actually turnover doesn't play any of their older songs live anymore because they require an entirely different guitar setup i i can yeah that's gotta be true i'm I'm gonna call it dreamo is that is that a thing if not it is someone said it god damn it according to according to spotify categories okay Uh, fuck it i never said it. i don't care about it (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh uh, there's this band floral tattoo that's dreamo we've had gwen on um and I think that some of uh, Lenz's maps and stuff could be classified as Dreamo, too. But, I mean, like, I think it only got worse after 2015 for things being classified as emo because, you know, the next year we got Pine Grove and everyone was, like, calling a fucking alt-country band emo because of who they tour with and stuff. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, if I like a band, they're emo, and the more I like it, the more emo they are. I, I, I do feel like that, uh, like that, man, that around 2014, 2015, and definitely 2016, that every, like you were just saying, like everything was emo, like just depending on what label, but that word is being tossed around so much. Like, I feel like it's dying down for sure, but like, man, people really did say that word a lot and really it was so vague. I don't know. It still is really, but. Yeah, and but I I I think there's definitely something to say about like I don't know I I can totally see like Pitchfork 
and spin being like, oh, call, call this band emo because we'll get some more clicks or something. Like, I don't know. People were reaching for emo in 2015. Yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, definitely. It, was, it was like, it was like trendy. Yes. Like, it, it like, it, for, it was, but to, to like non emo or whatever people, like people outside, like to regular people or whatever you want, you know what I mean? Like people outside of the, our specific uh, the- scene. To the filthy casuals, yeah. Exactly. Like, there was people, you know, like, like college kids, you know, that were into modern baseball and stuff that didn't, you know, listen to emo like that, but they thought they did. <laughs> you know, like, it's 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 weird to, to say it's peaked, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, at least whatever that specific moment was. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, like, you know, like in an art movement, you can't like define it until after it's happened it's yeah and i i feel like there's something that's already happened that you know has ended um that could be defined as something i guess do you guys feel that way yeah i think uh a large part of of what happened was uh these bands were kind of like achieving uh if not quite mainstream success then definitely like something above the previously very DIY, very subterranean level that they would have been on uh, prior. Um, in large part to, due to like a lot of the smash hits from the year before, like You're Gonna Miss It All and Home Like No Place. And then I think what happened is that the, the zeitgeist of youth music really shifted uh, from emo to rap. And then around 2016 is where... like emo rap came into the picture and because we had already cast such a wide net with what we were calling emo uh that kind of got dragged into it and uh shifted uh the quote-unquote overton window of of what we were talking about and then of course the emo rap stuff got way more popular than any of the stuff ever was right yeah yeah i agree with that i I feel like it was also um, like kind of what you were saying, but like the some of the bands going off in their own direction and kind of becoming their own thing and and less DIY, less dependent on a scene, you know, and just kind of climbing their own ladder, if you will. I, I feel like it's uh, bands doing that, like the ones that got really big and succeeded, and then a lot of bands breaking up. And then personally, I, this is probably a hot take, but. I feel like some of it did die too from um and I'm not blaming it solely on this or anything but I feel like a lot of it did die from uh around the me too movement. Uh what do you mean by that? Like in the sense that a lot of bands started getting called out and yeah, so yeah, like just, a lot of a lot of the momentum kind of just stopped in its tracks. Yeah, I feel like it didn't it affected a lot of people by and in, in a lot of different scenes and stuff. I feel like it affected the you know the type of emo scene that we're talking about in a sense that a lot of bands um, either broke up or c- certain bands weren't touring together anymore and and that sort of thing. I just feel like I remember for sure. I think Jank is time, probably the biggest example that you're talking about. Jank's a perfect example. That's actually who I was thinking of. Broken World. Um, as a label, that was a pivotal, that, that, the label ending changed a lot of things, I feel like, for yeah. this, for that scene, yeah. as a whole. Yeah, that's a really good observation, actually. Um, 
And I think that what's happening now is kind of like, I think I think emo is kind of having a little bit of a resurgence in 2019. Uh, partly is like, you know, all the all like the new all the new blood that's come in, plus all the people from that past scene who are kind of rebuilding from the ashes. Yeah, I, I feel like again this moment in time that we're talking about it was so influ- influential that it's going to keep create like inspiring bands that are going to come from you know inspiration from that sort of music so we'll we'll keep seeing it and and there's still bands like you said like that are still going that either we're we're always going or just like made you know picking up the pieces basically and it's like starting like younger and younger yeah, yeah, yeah. Commander Salamander and Origami Angel and Shingard are all like absurdly young. Like it's that's insane. Kind of, that's I mean not always, but that's kind of how it it goes. I've noticed like just as I get as I get older, like I mean the the like I don't know like the teens and early college age. They kind of I don't know. I feel like they kind of control everything. Like after I kind of aged a little bit past the specific, you know, like, after I graduated college and everything, like, I just realized how, how important, I don't know, basically that demographic, like, controls a lot of the stuff, I feel like, but... Well, yeah, because they're the most loyal ones, and they're the ones most likely to, like, spend money, like, on the band. Yeah, the money, yeah, Yeah. it's the money. (laughs) And, yeah. Follow the money, follow the paper trail. And and it's, like, a social thing, you know, like, with shows and stuff, like, and that's, you know, high schoolers Mm -hmm. and college people going out to shows. Yeah, because that's definitely the easiest time in your life to just, like, go to shows constantly. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Isaac, you've toured, like, summer after summer and stuff do you do you see that i mean yeah it's it is a lot of like young audiences a lot of the time we play with a lot of like high school bands um which it's definitely an experience um i don't know i've noticed that a lot of for some reason a lot of barely civils crowds especially are like older sometimes older than us but like it's probably because you sound like death cab probably (laughs) Um, but we, we do end up playing with a lot of like high schoolers on this last tour. We played a show where the closing local was these like 16 year olds and they covered Joyce Manor and, uh, the drummer like cut his hand open during their set and stopped the song. And the singer asked if anyone had a bandaid. And then I think the drummer's mom like called him a pussy <laughs> so <laughs> that is so fucking sick. Yeah, playing with high school bands. I mean, there's some good ones, but like, there's some wild things that happen. So is that it for like the overall observations? Did everyone get like all the things out? I think so. So do we want to like do like a quick rundown of the records here? Yes. All right. So I called these top two top dogs the world is with harmlessness that had the most votes and then peripheral vision was a close number two um so harmlessness i mean some quick thoughts for me this is my favorite the world is record um i think it is i think whenever if ever is like a perfect debut lp but like harmlessness is like their masterpiece um just everything about it just like it 
the whole thing has like a bigger scope than whenever if ever the instrumentation is huge it's um the album art like but just like the whole mood on it too it just to me is just perfect um but i'll let y'all go off on that one too so i do generally prefer uh the stuff prior to this record um i do think it's still really good i think it is there's still like some traces of emo in there but i do think it's like where the band started going full force into kind of that like post-rock flavored indie with like some occasional post-hardcore flourishes um it's also got uh diana the hunter on it yes. which is a fucking masterpiece of a song yep. like that might yep. actually yep. be my, my favorite world is song it's uh it's it's like an artistic accomplishment by by any metric to be to be able to like put all these musical ideas together under uh one umbrella and have them logically flow into each other from one track to the next is uh really really impressive yeah not to not to be like hyperbolic but i think this might be one of the best records ever made just like in the whole yeah kind of the scope of what it captures i absolutely never shut up about this record especially when it first came out um to the point where like my high school psychology teacher knew that i was going to see the world is and asked me to buy him a copy of harmlessness excited <laughs> about it um that's pretty dope it was it was really cool he listened to it and then didn't like it that much but like he knew about it that's interesting knowing where you're from yeah it's 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 a record that like got out i guess yeah i feel like they got pretty big like on it on it yeah for sure like a pitchfork indie sort of whatever but but yeah um that that album to me like i mean i already stated earlier how like i was working really closely with them around that time and just i don't know talked to a lot of the members and stuff so like i was definitely really in tune to everything they were doing and i feel like that album in particular it was i feel like their best body of work and i remember um the production uh, oh yeah just being such a yeah. upgrade from everything they've done and and i mean i know the drums you know like are some of them are like replaced samples and whatnot not to get like too nerdy or whatever which people can argue about but with that said i still think like i i think it's extremely well done and the production is actually what really turned me on to it aside from the songs just being really like well done and cohesive and like i said their strongest body of of work in my opinion as far as front to back you know mm-hmm. and re- remember that like video i don't know if it what it was supposed to be it, it was just those two live sessions of them playing in a church yeah yeah I yeah i've watched those like every day they're really? so fucking good i love them yeah i i totally forgot about that session or whatever it was until like yesterday or the other day when they announced they're releasing like a b-sides 12 inch yeah or like a b-sides rarities 12 inch which yeah it had a picture from that session though like in the announcement i saw which made me remember that church in that eerie session it was really well done it was, yeah. it was crazy yeah i loved it i felt like that was the sound wise like the, that was like peak peak the world is no offense to anyone 
in that band at all. Just like the the community around the band and everything like was just I don't know super cool mm-hmm. at the time. One of the things I remember most from this was the uh, promo cycle around it because there was like the harmlessness.horse website. Oh yeah. Fuck. <laughs> where it was I don't remember what song it was but when you went to the website it took you to one of the songs but it was like backwards and they were just doing a lot of like really weird stuff with the promo that was honestly something else i loved about the world is was their branding and and their their natural ability for crazy marketing that just worked like i don't know like everything they did and around that time as well i guess broken world too just like all that crazy wacky shit that those ideas they'd come up with i thought that it was really clever, but and it really worked too. And some of the dumb ideas have really probably made them a decent amount of money. It's kind of crazy. Um, wasn't 2015 also the year that they had the whole uh, every cop should blow their brains out thing on Twitter? Ooh, I want to say that was later, but later? No, because I remember being in Chicago when that. Happened. Oh, damn! So okay. it had to have been 2015 yeah. at the latest. Wasn't it like um, turn in your badge that... and blow your face off or something? Yeah. 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 Was that from the band account? Yes. Yeah. Um, and I also remember that being like a turning point because while they were the biggest they'd ever been, I remember a lot of people being like, I'll never listen to The World Is Again because they said that. Yeah, people um, were mad. People were really mad I, about for that. Some, uh, for some reason, I don't remember it, but I am like, that's not crazy. For me, for to me to think that they said that, however, whatever that means. But yeah, that uh, I feel dumb for not remembering that, considering everything else I've said. <laughs> I mean, I I personally like understand the sentiment that they were coming from. Uh, uh, there probably were better ways of uh, saying it than advocating suicide, but like that that was also around the time that like the the whole Eric Garner thing was happening. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I think, I think that was kind of just like the, their response to the, the social atmosphere. I also, not to defend them because I don't really um, talk to too many of them anymore, but um, they were kind of like a, I don't know, like a comedy band by any means, but they had a kind of a comedy edge to them you know with their like especially their online presence they would jo- joke around a lot basically so yeah oh for I sure feel like, but I, this I feel was like, like markedly not a joke oh okay well i just yeah. say i i feel like if anything uh it sounded like it sounded like something they would just like do being stupid and it, and it went wrong but yeah I, I i don't even remember it so i guess i can't speak on it <laughs> it yeah, was I definitely mean, I, like an I, angry I, thing oh they, i like, think that serious. it sounds like a bit but they were dead serious yeah <laughs> Well, I can't defend them on that. <laughs> but it happened, I guess. So, turnover. <laughs> <laughs> turnover, uh, Purple Vision also came out in 2015, and it kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, they were a pop-punk band signed to run for cover records, and then they came up with this whole new crazy sound that everyone wanted to ape right after this album came out. Yep, yep. Uh, um... I remember being really impressed with just uh, kind of like how y'all were talking about with Harmlessness. I thought the production on Peripheral Vision was like out of this world good. 
Um, especially stuff like that climax and cutting my fingers off. I was listening to it and I was like, I could see a similar band from the 90s trying to do this, but they wouldn't have been able to pull it off like without today's technology. But like, it's really just like clean guitar tones and like nice atmospheres and all this stuff like it like i remember just this is when run 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 for cover was just killing it on youtube like uh what's his nuts from the band was like going over his guitar rake and it's just like him and like one guitar pedal it's just like this is just like the simplest shit and for some reason it just blew our minds yeah i think oh sorry go ahead uh no i think i need to formulate my thought a bit more so <laughs> uh, I, I was just gonna say i think it might have impressed more people, more younger people who maybe haven't um, heard as much stuff. And that's no slam to like anyone or anything. But I feel like there, that it was kind of like a mature shift in, in, in a sound. And for those uh, sort of pop punk or whatever kids at the time, I feel like hadn't really dove in that, to that sort of music. So I feel like it maybe impressed a lot of people. And it more, I mean, not saying it's an unimpressive record, but I feel like it maybe made a bigger impression because of that, because of the fan base and those sort of kids not mm-hmm. hearing that see, sort of stuff. See, and I honestly, think what you're like, saying applies perfectly to the title fight record, more so yes. than this record, because yes, like, exactly. like this is like simple and like very effective. Um, I I don't know. I think like anyone can like this record. It's like that simple and that great and that perfectly well produced and stuff but like i think like like what you're saying applies to title fight in the way that's like they are clearly just like going for like the the whole heavy shoegaze thing yeah for sure completely dope and and i feel like turnover did it with that whole new genre too and like here here's here's my take on the album so like i i was never like a huge turnover fan prior to uh, that album, by the way, like I, I was just a, I guess you could say a Fairweather fan. Like I, I think they're good, but I wasn't like a avid listener. But anyway, when the album came out, obviously, like I was paying attention to it. And I, I, I think it's good. I, I think the production, everyone, I think it's good. But I think that the songwriting with the production, it's a little linear to me. And some people well, like sure. that. Sure, that's why it's accessible. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Mm. And. And this isn't a slam to uh, my girlfriend by t- by any means, but that was the album that she really got into them. And I feel like she and she's way more picky on, um, I guess you say like emo sort of stuff. So I feel like this album really kind of put him gave him a whole new audience to like the you know the pitchfork indie or whatever you want to call it, like I've been saying, and just gave him a, a wider demographic in general. But personally, and weirdly me, enough, sorry, go ahead. I, I was uh, just going to say, say, personally, for me, um, like I liked it. And I remember I, I liked it live more. And I remember like there's certain like that, there's really catchy songs, but just what the the linearness of it um, is just the one thing that always bugged me. But but I get but I, I get why other people like it, and I respect what they're doing. Like I I like they're good at what they do. I think that this was the album that, like, weirdly enough, broke them in pop punk, uh, um, rather than like indie rock, because it was basically taking these like pop punk songs and applying, you know, 
stuff that like Chapter House and Galaxy 500 were doing like 20 years before to like like you said like a linear pop punk type of song structure and like really easy to grasp onto and sing along to lyrics um and that that was kind of just like candy for that crowd yeah and looking back i i do want to say for for me not being at you know the the biggest fan of turnover compared to most of my friends i feel like the album though was definitely important in it like in its own right i just feel like i'm just recognizing i'm not the maybe the exact person for it but like for the band and for run for cover i feel like that was just like kind of an important shift in in time and sound and maturity for the label i don't know i always felt like the songs all kind of like they were good but they sounded the same it sounded yeah. like the same song yeah, like, you know, 10 that, times or whatever that's that's kind of what i meant like by the linear yeah like like, very like if you like one, if you like one, you like them all though. But it's just if you're into that sort of chill music, or but it sounds, you know, sounds like you you don't like the linear sort of sound. But like, for instance, this is exactly like, how I feel about American football, dude. I was about to say I love <laughs> Owen so much, but Owen is is so linear. So like I'm I'm you know call me a hypocrite or whatever, but like I, Owen is super linear for the most part, most albums. But anyway, yeah, like I, but I, I, I will say I, I do sleep to it a lot though, so that kind of speaks for itself, I guess. It's, but still, it, yeah, some some linear music can be good because, like I said, if you like if you like it, you like it all. So like, it's not a bad thing by any means. It's a good record. I mean, my dad likes it, so like it's a, it's a record that's easy to like. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing I was gonna say, um, just about turnover that i will say that i am more of a fan of so far i haven't heard their newest album but i've heard the singles but i i feel like i am a bigger fan of uh this album than their uh two most recent or the or their the stuff after if you will just personally i guess Same. um or at least good nature because I, again i haven't heard the, the, the new ones so i can't say yet but i and that's just as a casual a turnover fan so i feel like i'm not the best person to even speak on it but that's how i so Tyler from stars hollow tweeted something the other day about how the turnover drummer has been playing the same beat since 2015 <laughs> <laughs> like i was listening to the album for this episode and i realized that he's exactly right <laughs> you should fill in on a tour absolutely i'll do it <laughs> turnover call so whenever there's like a huge record I, I like to go and find like how many times the record has been pressed um does anyone guess what press they're on now uh, uh it's the 12th right or 12th it's yeah, the 12th 16. with 5,000 pressed on the 12th pressing oh my god jesus christ the the ninth press was 6,500 pressed Someone cannot like their cigarette, and it's really funny. <laughs> it's Maybe a blunt. Some, yeah, I was gonna say someone's hitting something oh, okay. else. <laughs> My bad. Anyway, uh, sorry, I was yeah, I was wrong on the 16th press, but I saw him post about. It, that's why I, I, yeah. I knew it was extremely high, and I couldn't believe that because man, they've been cranking those out. But I will say I love the labels that continue to do different um, 
variants or whatever. Like, even if it's in bigger numbers, I, I, I think they should do it like that, obviously, if it's in demand. But just to keep... I don't know, like keep things interesting. They don't just they don't just give up and do black forever. Mm-hmm. I respect that. Same. I feel like Run for Cover has a lot of those records that are on like an absurdly large number of pressing variants just because like that's the record that the kids like. Like the self titled Tiger's Jaw record. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We got lots of lots of basic bitches. Uh huh in that in that pool it's true i will say it 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 can get out of hand but i uh, i just respect the ones who don't give up and just do black forever like some some like for instance like saddle creek i I love that label but they'll do like typically like one color and then like a pre-order color and then black forever after that yeah and i mean there's nothing wrong with black vinyl but as an artist i think you can get way more creative and do cool um, cool variants. Yeah. Uh, one last point on vinyl and stuff. Um, a fun fact about the Knocked Loose record, a, a, a different shade of blue, they used every type of blue that the pressing plant had for like all their different uh, first pressings. They had like blue mixed into everything, but it was like every shade of blue that they could have used. I thought that was really creative. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I believe it. I've seen, I've seen some pictures um, and saw a lot of the blues for sure. Yeah. All right, so we're on to some big dogs. We've got Marietta, as it were, Foxing, Dealer, Title Fight, Hyperview, Oso Oso, Real Stories, and Me Without You, Pale Horses. I'll run through some thoughts on these really quick. As it were, this was my first taste of Marietta. Dug it. Did they also break up this year? Yeah. Yeah, they, they were broken up before the album actually came out, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I remember seeing the music video and everything was like, this is sweet emo. And then I didn't hear Summer Death until like two years after that. Um, Foxing Dealer, I still think this is a stinker. Uh, Title Flight Hyperview was 100% on board. I love this record. I thought it was, I mean, honestly, it's pretty bold because Title Flight were the biggest that they were. And they just hit us with this. And it was, seeing it in rear view, like there is some progression into this, but they went fully into it. And I thought it was sick. Oso Oso Real Stories, criminally underrated. Um, Oso Oso release, at least it was when it came out. And then Pale Horses, um, I really like this one. Um, this is probably like the most I've heard of a Me Without You record because I was really listening to this one when it came out. And it's like kind of like a tough listen, but also very rewarding. Word. My quick thoughts, uh, Marietta, I've seen like kind of a contrarian take lately that's growing in popularity is that this is actually the better marietta record not sure how much i agree with that uh i do like it more than uh summer death but i was never like a huge fan of this band um and then foxing dealer i hate this album uh uh, title fight hyperview i love everything title fights ever done i like you said it's really cool that i mean you could definitely like see it's coming in retrospect but at the time i was like oh shit uh i guess title fight discovered cocteau twins and Maisie star so uh i that was like just like a a really cool moment and i think it is a uh, better written and with more variance than peripheral vision which is the most immediately comparable record um oh so oh so real stories this is a solid foundation uh to what they would go on to do i don't think it's slept on uh, as much as it used to be, yeah. Uh, but I do think that the stuff they 
did later uh, is better. Like it has like a like much stronger structures and less repetition. Um, and then Me Without You, Pale Horses, one of my favorite Me Without You records. Definitely uh, the record that cemented that they were having like a renaissance of popularity of sorts. Which is like almost all indebted to Run for Cover having yeah. like the fucking fire that they had going when this came out. For sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my rundown, uh, Marietta, as it were, um, I helped release it, so I love the album. I have seen people talk about Summer Death and comparing the two. I don't, I don't know how I feel either, but I do like As It Were a lot, and I, I've listened to Summer Death more because it's older, but I, I think I might like As It Were more, um, unrelated to releasing it. Um, if anyone's listening, I, I really, I do want to repress it. By the way, <laughs> I get people ask all the time, and I'll try. I, I've been trying. We'll, we'll see. But anyway, boxing dealer. Uh, compared to the the album, you know, prior the Albatross, uh, I you know I, I was really into that previous sound. And it'd be cool to hear more of that. So I wasn't crazy about this album. Title fight. I've never really been a title fight fan, and haters get can the hate. fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Oso Oso, great great band. Like I said, um, not their best album. Like. Like you guys said, like they they went on. I feel like each album gets better, so yeah. um, that is what it is. Me without you, out of that out of this list, I want to say might be the. I mean that it's is. I'm gonna say it's the best album, and I didn't listen to it initially when it came out. Like maybe even a year, an entire year later, I was in this weird, like, I hadn't listened to Me Without You forever, I listened to him a lot, like, growing up in, like, high school, and I was in, I hadn't, in a while, and I was, I don't know, I was in this weird phase, and I was really impressed, especially for how old they were, like, as a band, and to, to, I feel like it's one of their best albums, for sure. I think it's better than their most recent, to be honest, but, um, yeah, no. Pale Horses is great. You guys disagree? I you really like it? their most recent. I think Pale Horses have, is better, though. I haven't. I think Pale Horses is better. I mean, uh, ni- neither record is better than Cash for Us the Foxes, which I think is their best. Um, but I'm not going to go down the, ca- the catalog argument. There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> but I- I'll-, I'll give the Untitled more of a chance. I'll- it just never clicked for me yet. But Pale Horses, it took me forever. But that album's so good. I feel like it's one of their best as far as, like, returning to an album constantly yeah personally i have like really strong memories associated with all of the big dogs records i'll try and keep them quick um marietta i knew about because of uh near mint releasing it and i downloaded it and listened to it on the bus on the way to school and immediately hated it um (laughs) (laughs) but then like last year i kind of revisited marietta and fell in love with them and now it's a good record um dealer i loved at the time and looking back on it now it's like super front-loaded um it kind of gets weaker in the middle and at the end um but i remember talking about that album a lot with people in high school um hyperview i had a friend who was like really into pop punk title fight 
And uh, one day he like came up to me and he was like, hey, did you hear this new title fight record? And I was like, no. And, and he said, it's too soft and I hate it. Um, and I listened to it like the next day and then immediately went out and purchased both Floral Green and uh, Hyperview from like the local record store because I really liked that a lot. Uh, Real Stories I listened to in a grocery store parking lot and thought it was That's boring, no. came back to it later, and it was really good. And Pale Horses soundtracked a trip between Portland and Seattle. So like that record, coupled with the phenomenal scenery that you get driving between those cities, was a, a transformative experience for me. Um, that Pale Horses is easily my favorite Me Without You record. Um, but I do like their other stuff also. Uh, anything else for the big dogs? We have a lot of other dogs to get to. Okay. We do have a lot of dogs. All right. Going to the little dogs. These are records that appeared on the list and got a decent amount of votes. Uh, the other ones that we're going to talk about basically got like a handful of votes. Um, this this chunk has the my my least listened to on it. Uh, so we got sports demon days. Uh, is this the Boston sports band? The European one. No, that's just sport singular. Uh, okay. Yeah, there's I think. The, well, there's a, there's actually two European sports. One is sports singular, and the other is sports with a period. Yes, this well, is the Boston. Yeah, because this is the one that has the split with Meet Me Montauk, and also the split with Perspective. Okay, so this one I've mostly heard in other people's cars. I ha- I don't think I've sat down <laughs> with this one on my own, but I do like it. It's extremely good twinkle stuff. Um, Adventures, Supersonic Home. Uh, I mean, this is more power pop and stuff than anything, but I fucking adore this record. Um, this I listened to this today and just made me want to hear another Adventures record. But uh, with all that uh, fucking Code Orange money coming in, I don't think we're going to get that. <laughs> Annabelle having it all. See, this was one that I almost didn't even put on the list because I didn't know that people liked it, but like everyone was just being like, Yo, if this doesn't get it, I'm never listening to your podcast again and stuff like that. So, <laughs> animal fans are fucking out there. Um, yeah, anim- I I didn't listen to this band until I saw them open for the Appleseed cast, and I like really was impressed by them. Uh, yeah, this is like quite good. It's a uh, it's underrated. Uh, Tiny Engines release. Um, I do like Youth and Youth a lot, which was a Count Your Lucky Stars record from 2012. I think that's got my favorite songs on it. Um, this is Parasito's Paola. This was like one of my top albums of the year. Um, this this one really blew me away. But, I mean, it's a Sal Creek record with fucking... Or no, it's an Epitaph record. But it's a Connor Robles record with like guest spots from Tim Kasher and like Laura Jane Grace and all these other people. And um, it's like ungodly catchy and like huge and anthemic and shit. And Chinese football, like, I don't know. I've never, like, gotten that down with Chinese football, but whenever I put it on, it's very, very good. Uh, you know, like, working music. But I don't know. I had a phase where I was only working while listening to math rock, which I know is kind of, like, a not a very good compliment, but Chinese football rock still. 
You kind of, uh, you kind of echoed literally all of my thoughts. Okay. On this record, <laughs> um, Supersonic Home is like maybe like in the top three albums on this list. Honestly, like I absolutely fucking love this album. Um, and I, it's not that I don't want Code Orange to keep making music, but I do wish Adventures had been the one that blew up and Code Orange was the side project. Which is fucked up because I prefer hardcore shows over power pop shows, but you know the the songwriting on Supersonic Home is so good. Did I Am King uh, come out this year? And no, uh, no, no, that was twenty fourteen. Okay, yeah, which you know that was like the the breakthrough Code Orange release. So I'm kind of surprised they even found time for Supersonic Home. Right. Um, and then the Dessa record is also like untouchably fucking good. Like I'm surprised you like it. Really. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you not think of me as like a Connor Oberst fan? Because mm, I do really. really like a lot of Connor Oberst stuff. Um, and I think this is like peak, like shattered life uh, Connor lyrics. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, sports. So I've listened to that album like twice on Bandcamp, and I remember liking it. That's all I know about that album. I liked it. Adventures. I like that band and then that album, but I didn't return to it a lot. I remember listening to it when it came out. Annabelle, I pre-ordered it on vinyl, and I worked with them around that time. They're a cool band. I like that album. They said Parasitos, uh, Bright Eyes, and kind of like Spinning are my favorite bands. So like, I'm a huge Connor Burst fan, but this album didn't initially grabbed me i gave it a few chances i'll have to revisit it because you guys just gave it high high reviews but i was never crazy about it the most recent connor thing i liked was that better oblivion project um and then chinese football i've actually never listened to but i saw dog knights uh, just press their stuff and it sold out really quick so yeah i assume that people like them so it must be good but i've never heard them to be honest they have this, and then they have another full length, and then, no, they have an EP from earlier this year that came out that people really love. Yeah. Well, where, where are they from? Uh, China. Oh, okay. I didn't know if they actually were. Yeah, the uh, the singing, it's all in Chinese, in like Mandarin, I think. It's it's really Let's check it out. I liked all the a lot. Like, we've done a lot of co releases together actually they helped do Marietta actually as oh, yeah. it were Dog, Dog Nights the homies Darian or the homie rather Darian or Darren <laughs> yeah I uh, these records all of the Little Dog records were ones that I uh, didn't didn't get at the time that they came out like all of the ones here that I've listened to are ones that I only pick up picked up after the fact the only one that I really have any strong opinions about is Adventures, because I listened to that one while I was stuck in Philly for five days, listened to it at James's apartment, and it blew me away. So I love that one. Um, James James loves that album so fucking much. Yeah. And this is another shout out to James, because we got to give him five times yeah. instead. I, uh, I think we've got all five at this point. Okay, I'm just making sure. One of James Cassar's few good takes. <laughs> yeah. Aside from that, you know, the 
the rest of these, I hadn't really heard that much. I knew sports because of the tour that they did with uh, Perspective and the Obsessives. And, yeah, they're fine. Um, Annabelle, I don't know. The Annabelle record that I, like, knew was uh, Youth and Youth because I listened to a college radio copy of it that Kyle reviewed. I reviewed um, it? You did, yeah. Oh. Your initials are on the thing. <laughs> the hat? Yeah, it's uh, too old for the music library, so now it's in my room. But <laughs> that's, that's a good record. I listened to this one, like, earlier today. And it's it's an Annabelle record. It's fine. Um, Chinese football, I don't know, didn't really grab me at the time. Didn't grab me too much now. And I haven't listened to Desperacitos. Dude, you have to listen to the first album, for sure. Yeah. 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 I, yeah I no, think, that's one of my all-time favorite albums. I think you actually have told me that before. So you need to. Maybe I'll do that. I mean, Desperacitos should really write a record in 2019. Because, I mean, given all, like, the political things that they talk about have just gotten worse from Paola to probably now. I agree with that. They're like a politics band. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I will say, though, all politics aside, the real thing that... The real reason I like their first album and not so much their, their second is the sound. It's all about the actual music. So don't let the politics thing throw you off. It's way more cool and punk than mm-hmm. on the first album, in my opinion. But not hating on the new one necessarily because it could be good. I need to give it a chance for it. But they're not like a political band. Like, yeah. I mean, they are, but like they're they're not. You know what I mean? It's not like they aren't like anti-flag, but like okay. But like it's weird that you say uh, cool and punk because I hear the phrase cool and punk and I immediately think political. <laughs> well whatever you know like the way they did it back then their age their 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 angst was more it was more raw the, yeah and, and their angst was more balanced out by their age <laughs> versus connor's age now i guess but again i need to listen to the album more. yeah I I currently am and was surprised how like not ham fisted the like the the political lyrics on Paola were because like they're actually like pretty like well thought out and not just like burn the flag motherfuckers like like an anti-flag <laughs> thing like it's actually yeah. I mean calling a song Maricopa with three K's is ham-fisted but the lyrics <laughs> are but decently. also I'm a hella down with spelling America with three K's yeah like, that is bad <laughs> I'll give it another chance I'm going to put down my give another chance list if, if one existed. Okay, I've contradicted myself because the song Anonymous is very ham-fisted because it's about Anonymous. But, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> going gonna, gonna to be mad at you if it sucks and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, it's definitely not like V for Vendetta. <laughs> Everyone's backing down just because I was going to listen to it. <laughs> No, um, I'm, not, uh, I'm not backing down. I'm, I'm backing up Kyle's statement of it not being that ham-fisted. Like, <laughs> so the honorary dogs are ones that are a collection of ones that got some votes, but like didn't amount to being anywhere near the list, and some that are just surprisingly didn't get votes at all that are good records. Uh, one of those would be Donovan Wolfington with How to Treat the Ones That You Love, which was the record they put out and then broke up. Or no, 
Wait, uh, Wait, Waves was the one that they broke up after. Yeah, yeah, I I believe they like broke up after this record. And they weren't like they, they weren't like active in between those two albums. Right, so that's fair. Right, yeah. I think this record is really good. Um, I think all the Ivan LinkedIn rec- records are extremely good. Um, and like either yeah. and like they all kind of blew me away. Because, um, like, the first one was just kind of, like, out of the blue, really great band. And then this one is just like, oh, what the fuck? There's a hardcore song in the middle of this record. Hard. <laughs> HXC punk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did, uh, did this one not get any votes? This one didn't get many votes at all. Yeah. That's absurd to me. Yeah. And it's got, it's got the, like, the most played and, in my opinion, best Donovan Wolfington song, Ollie North. Uh, yeah. That like, song is yeah. so catchy. That whole record is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, passed my the girlfriend test, and that's not a slight to females by any means. It's just my girlfriend, she loves like mature music and stuff, but she actually likes Donovan Wolfington a lot too. Yeah, and they're that album specifically, and only that album actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that one's incredibly good. Dogs on Acid didn't get many votes at all, but like motherfuckers, you need to listen to this record. That is a perfect record. Yes. It's, yeah, perfect. it's, it's perfect. Um, this was just like a weird thing about this record. It was like one of those, hey, Jade Tree Records, remember us for coming back things and then immediately tank again. Uh, this was yeah. one of the things that they did. That, that's, 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 the dude from Hopalon, which is the same guy from Algernon, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, like, toured with them. Or, no, he, he like, played some shows with them, but I don't think he was writing. Okay. Yeah, no, this was definitely more Pete than Joe. I think Joe was, like, fully focused on Hopalong, like, songwriting-wise at this time. Anyway, I remember that, that whole J-Tree thing, them coming back and... Then, like you said, they actually sold their label or their catalog to um, Epitaph. Epitaph. Anyway, yeah, um, I never actually checked this album out, and I I know people who have said good things about it, so probably should. But yeah, it was a weird time for J Tree, though. Mm-hmm. You blew it. Was like caught in the middle of that, apparently too. Like, they... uh, yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes and no. Well, I I just know that they. You're, you're probably yeah, you're right. Never mind. I'm like yeah. getting get into it. <laughs> I think like <laughs> someone said something about it on a different podcast, and, yeah. and they and they were like tied up in it and like quickly got out. Um, yeah. Bay Faction. I didn't listen to this record until way later. I don't know if this is one count your or, or when counterintuitive pressed it or anything, but uh, uh, I don't think this record got popular immediately. Can anyone comment on that? I don't really know much about this band. I like. I I want to say it didn't even get popular until <clears throat> a little bit later after Counterintuitive pressed it. Okay. But, um, I, I guess it did get pressed and everything in 2015. Yeah, I feel like it. Like it initially, you know, it it, it was sold for super cheap. I remember that that it was like ten. They were selling it for like ten dollars. It was like cheaper than a label selling records, and yeah. they had them for a little bit, and then now they go for a ton of money. But um. Yeah, I, I've actually never heard the album. I'm not gonna lie. I think I'm. I'm actually. I take that back. I think I might have like skimmed some songs at least when it came out. So I was definitely curious, but I don't really remember. But I know people must like it because 
like I said, the records go for a lot of money. That's just like really in, in interesting topic is like where this band's at now because like they don't want it, like they the band ba- basically wants to wipe the record because they don't want to be tied to emo and stuff like that and all this yeah. other stuff. Uh, um, I I re-listened to this because I used to think that I liked it because I thought that Sasquatch 22 was like a clever title, cool song. And then I re-listened to it, and I think I actually hate it. <laughs> I, th- I think it's actually, like, quite bad. That's the no, only song of theirs I've ever heard. Sasquatch 22 is the only song of theirs I've ever heard. Because right. uh, a friend of mine, like, learned it on guitar my freshman year of college and, like, showed it to me. And I've never listened to anything else that they've ever done. Yeah, so have you ever listened to the lyrics of Sasquatch 22, like, closely? Yeah, they're not great. Yeah, they're fucking gross, dude. Um, just, like, projecting, like, your entire soul onto this girl. And also, there's that, there's that one fucking... The verse, I pulled up the lyrics so I could accurately uh, bash it. Um, so I called the girl that I'm currently having sex with, and I said I loved her, but it was over Facebook. She came over that night, we started having sex, and it felt fine up until she fucking left, and I realized that I tell a damn good lie. That is so gross, like, unbelievably. Like, I want to, like, take a shower. Um, and what? I'm not sure if it's, like, in character, but even, yeah. like, if, if it is, that's still, like, yeah. Is this Bay Faction you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's, what, that's why they want to wipe the album. Yeah, well, <laughs> well that's, that's, that's one of the only songs of theirs that's still on streaming. One of the only songs in the record is still on streaming. Interesting. I, I was just joking. Yeah. Anyway, I don't really know. But interesting. Um, dude, speaking inside, though, as someone who does artwork, I have to like write out lyrics sometimes, and I there's some weird fucking lyrics out there. <laughs> <laughs> I say that sometimes I'm like, dude, like just certain certain bands, like yo, this shit's. Creepy. About Do you really want to catch your name for this type shit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, another side note about doing this, uh, or a fun fact, I did the original Prince Daddy art album artwork for the, um, what's the album? If, um, I, I, I didn't even do it. Yeah. yeah. They ended up changing it with, like later. It was a long story. But anyway, uh, I hand wrote all the lyrics, and my girlfriend, um, she would just read them because it took me like days to write them or whatever and she thought they were fucking weird not like creepy weird just weird because i told her the band name too it was just kind of funny anyway all right uh next one on here is pedal shame i was surprised this one got some votes because i don't know i've i i've never really seen people out there talking about pedal that much but uh i've listened to this record probably a total of one time yeah I reviewed this for the college radio station, and I was bored. I don't, I don't, I don't like know it. much else about it. I like their newer... The, the album after that, though, actually has some, some catchy songs, mm-hmm. but I didn't like that one. She yeah. has a really, like, proper voice for, I guess, emo or scene music in general. And I think I learned sometime last year that, like, Sheila's, like, a Broadway, like, stand-in person. Or oh, is like, really? Yeah, or is like properly trained vocalist for Broadway and stuff. So that's cool. Yeah, that made sense. Pet Symmetry 
uh, Pets Hounds. Uh, I was disappointed with this when it came out because I really liked uh, the EP with the dog on the cover. Um, and I thought this one was a little bit of a step backwards, but I really liked the Pet Symmetry record that came out after this, like, a fuck ton. Um, so I never really listened to this one that much. Uh, yeah, this one's, like, kind of a weird, uh, like, lull in their discography. Yeah. Because uh, it has the least amount of bangers. Exactly. Um, in general, I don't actually get the hype behind Pet Symmetry. Is um, there hype behind Pet Symmetry, though? A little. A little. Well, there's some. Well, yeah. I'm, I mean, a lot of Evan Weiss projects kind of just, like, have that hype. Sure. Um, they do pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like they do maybe better in dowsing. Yeah. yeah. The record before and after this both did, like, really well, to my recollection. So. Okay. Uh, I, I do think that this one had a. Uh, more notably like bigger sound than the previous ep though and i did like that i like the yeah two songs about cars two songs with long titles i think that, yeah that's my favorite collection of pessimentary songs uh oliver houston the dork ages ep i mean yeah this this, this thing fucking rocks uh and yeah it's so sick <laughs> this this entire band like i don't think they ever put out anything less than like a minus right material perfect perfect way to put it um r.i.p oliver houston that's such bullshit that they broke up uh meet me in montauk where they where grass meets pavement this is a band i heard about i think like in 2016 and i had no idea they were like wrapped up in that whole california counterintuitive yeah jeans scene until like until mom jeans like happened art, right yeah 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 um phenomenal record just, uh, just every time I see their name, it just makes me want to listen to Circus Survive, mm-hmm. right? And I don't, I don't actually think this band is that good. Is that is that like controversial to say? No, that's um, not a hot take. I okay. Somehow I knew about this band when this album came out, and it has like two songs that are entertaining. Um, I do think that. The drummer, there's a song where the drummer is doing some like, not like screaming, but like harsher vocals, and I always thought those sounded like good compared to the rest of it. I mean, yeah, whenever a band like this goes heavier, it's like usually better than the rest of their material. Also, just thinking about this band reminds me of the time that we had a hobo on the podcast, and he pronounced their name "Meet Me in Montauk." Montauk. <laughs> Yeah, that's very him. And, like, all of us were, like, too polite to correct him, too. <laughs> uh-huh. Is that it for 2015? Yeah, unless y'all have anything else to say about the honorary dogs. Okay. <laughs> Sick. Cool. Uh, well, that was 2015. 2016 voting is currently going on now, and it's really confusing me because people are, like, really out there trying to... Uh, I don't know. Like... There's people saying that, like, Strange Ranger isn't an emo band, but saying, like, Symbols E Guitars isn't an emo band, and, like, where's Jeff yeah, Rose in stock, and, like, where's this, oh my God. and just, like, I don't know. Jeff didn't have an album in 2016. We Cool was 2015. Worry. Worry was 2017, I thought. Am I crazy? Is that wrong? Yeah, that's wrong, for sure. Okay. Worry's, I remember being Worry's in October 2016. of year. Okay. Um, either way, not an emo artist. Although I will say We Cool was my favorite album of 2015. 
Um, and, and if it was emo, I would have waxed poetic about it. Yeah. Uh, but as I told you this morning, like, I think the later that, or like, yeah, like the later we get into these years, the more frustrating it's going to be. Um, just because people have, I don't know, like people didn't have that much about, I mean, people didn't have very many strong opinions about shit in 2011, but like in 2017 or 2018, people are going to be like jumping down our throats about like, where's yeah. this record or like, our, how... our listenership skews young and this is where they started getting like heavily involved in the music for sure. Yeah.